Hey everyone, welcome to This Lesbian Ship is Intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. And we are here today to talk to you about our favorite show, The Bold Type. And before we get started, please do us a solid and download our episode wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really helps us and we would greatly appreciate that. It helps us. It makes us feel loved. Yeah, it does a lot for our egos. That's more why we ask than anything. <laughs> um, we are going to take inspiration from the latest episode of The Bold Type and try to give you our original selves without editing or like minimal editing only for audio purposes. So you might see some animal distractions. You might see us getting severely off topic um but you know alex went live and we're gonna go live um we're mostly doing it because we decided to have a life this weekend and we both have very um demanding jobs so uh it's taken us a while to record this yeah, so we've decided that rather than being upset about the fact that we are on a time crunch, that we are going to find a way to spin this and make it fun, which is we're taking inspiration from Alex. We're going to try and do this live. Inevitably, we are going to have distractions, and you guys will see how much of a shit show we can be. <laughs> I don't know if this will be good or bad. The good thing is that we enjoyed this episode we're going to talk to you about, so... Um, there's that. We'll be in a good mood. And when we like when we aren't in a good mood and we didn't like the episode, um, we delete more because I am personally not a negative person, so I don't like to come across too negative. So I'm like, delete that. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> depress people. So um yeah, this'll be much better of a approach. Yeah. And Katie. Why are the both of us so excited today, in addition to the fact that we're talking about this episode? Okay, so we've talked about avoiding spoilers for the show, which is true, but that means, for me, more like the clips. So I still read the episode synopsis that is released, and uh, synopses, I don't really know. Um and I still will read any interview done by mostly Asia, Nicole, or Wendy. So whatever that spoils, I will still watch the, the uh, look at. The only reason I don't like to watch the clips is because they spoil really good scenes. And I don't want to be spoiled. And after last season and the first couple episodes of this season, I feel like... It's more fun to not know these things. So that's my gist about spoilers. But if you have a problem with spoilers, just hit that like fast forward button a few times and skip ahead. Um, the episode synopses for the rest of the season have come out today. And I just need to have a moment of silence because I am that excited about them. So for those of you that know me well, such as V or um, our friend Doc on Twitter or um, 
some other OG bull type people. I have been on a huge soapbox about Cat Storyline since season one, requesting an in-depth cat career storyline that intersects with her relationship with Adina. And also to have Kat and Adina navigate relationships in the world that is against them. And these fucking episode synopses really make me inspired about what the rest of the show is going to look like. Um, um, yeah, when you... So I get notifications for our Twitter when you're tweeting. and <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just like, I need to pay attention to what's happening on our Twitter. So I get notifications every time you tweet. And so then I just like pulled my like the tab down and I just saw spoilers in all caps. I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck's happening? So I'm like at work taking a minute and I go and I look and I'm like, Katie, are these spoilers that I should look at or not? And then after you explained them to me, I was like, oh, fuck, I have to. And I just joined you in that spiral. I am so excited to see, I mean, Adina's return, period. And then I'm so, so, so excited to see how they're going to integrate Kat and Adina into her professional storyline. I'm very, very curious. Do you have any ideas as to what RJ's, um, you know, shittiness is going to be? I think... Okay, I don't have really any ideas because I got too excited to have that many ideas, obviously. <laughs> um, I was more like reveling in the fact that I'm feeling absolutely catered to this season. Um, so, because <laughs> I'm a giant cat fan, as people that listen should know. And I am just beside myself. But my thoughts are... It is related to Adina's artistic expression. So I believe it is something about editing some sort of photo series she did for Scarlet. That is my main assumption, that it's related to that. Mm-hmm. I think bonus points would be if it intersects with her Muslim identity in some way. So that we get to explore that more or maybe her immigration status or anything like that that we've been clamoring for. If that also intersects in this piece where we get to learn more about Adina and her struggles, that would be a bonus. Um, But we could potentially touch on those things without that being the main point of emphasis. Yeah, my only guess was that it was going to have to somehow relate to her um, being Muslim or something around like culture race identity kind of thing i don't know why i just assume that that's what it's going to be about which if done well i think will make me feel better about the fact that they didn't show shit about her fucking identity in season two right so we'll see how that goes what i'm really excited about is kind of the setup for the next few episodes so it looks like next episode cats on the dating scene she hooks up with a girl i guess we're gonna have some questions about her sexuality she's figuring that out the next episode it looks like she will be pegging a gentleman 
And did you see like a promo or something? Did it say that it's in the synopsis? Because you're no, the title t- of the fucking hold on. Oh, what is it called? Hold on, let me tell you what the title of this fucking episode is. Because your the... tweet was from pegging to Adina, and I fucking lost it. Yes, because this is the title: to peg or not to peg. Oh shit! I didn't pay attention to the title at all. <laughs> so that's the title. And then they show the clip of her being on top of this dude. So we're putting the pieces together. Um, I didn't watch the clip either. I don't know if anybody has watched the cinematic masterpiece that is the pegging episode of Broad City. However, I will tell you, I was watching this episode with my friends, slightly inebriated. And I was hugging a pillow, like as I do as I watch stuff. And that pillow had strings on the end. And when the pegging part happened, I threw the pillow. However, the pillow was caught on my nose ring without me noticing. And I ripped the nose ring out of my nose. And um, we had to pause the episode so I could put it back in. Oh, my Um, God. So, if there was a camera watching me during the bull types pegging episode, I imagine it would be just as comical as that experience was. Oh, good lord. (laughs) So, that is to say, I'm excited for that. However, just a brief comment. If the show really wanted to make a statement, they would have Pinstriper Richard getting pegged. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's a Miranda. I just, I don't know. I'm so tired of the straight sex. Like, I just can't. But we're getting gay sex first to prepare our palates mm-hmm. for Kat hooking up with a guy the next episode in which she will dominate him. And then we have Adina coming back. It's like they sandwiched Aww. it on purpose for <laughs> us. Yeah. You know, and I think that I can uh, hopefully be okay. Like, I'm hopefully will be less annoyed by Kat hooking up with a guy than I am with Jane Striper Suttered just because it'll involve Kat. I'm just like, I'm just well, so tired of Jane and Ryan. I'm okay with it, number one, because I know it's casual. Number two, because this should actually be leading us somewhere, unlike the whole Uber girl situation. <laughs> I see your face. <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> um... And then the next episode, Adina comes back, and they are, appears to be the A plot of that episode by the synopsis, and we're going to see Kat, I mean, we're going to see Adina have issues, I think, with Kat exploring, which I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Um, Okay, look, so sometimes I don't have good sleep habits, and I lay awake at 2 a.m. and I'm just like, go the fuck to sleep. And I'm like, what is... So sometimes I'm like, what is a good thing to dream about to help myself try and sleep? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what do you think is going to happen on the bull type when Adina comes back? So I will lie there at 2 a.m. thinking, what is her return going to look like? I I don't know. Like, I just cannot. I cannot decide I what like- the it's going to look like. I like that her first episode back is tension filled. That that is a good thing for me because I enjoy Asia and Nicole acting off of each other. So I'm okay with an initial tension filled episode. Then the next episode, it looks like Adina asked Kat to help her with RJ because of something. So 
that makes me curious on how their relationship is evolving. Doesn't look like it's romantic yet. Um, the next episode after that, Cat, I think, finds out more about RJ. And then the finale of the season, Cat um, goes full force against the board and has life-altering consequences. So looks like a, yet another person is going to leave Scarlet at the end of the season, as if that's not a trend for the show at this point. Um, so uh, my thoughts are, my dream scenario right now is we start with the tension. Then they work through their emotional needs. They get more on a friendship level. Then they work together in the office. And we just have this constant, like, romantic tension building. And then towards the end of the season, that tension breaks. And we get to see it on our screens. And then we go into hiatus. V is, like, foaming at the mouth of this possibility. I'm just, oh, my God. I'm just, I'm so hopeful and I will just die if they fucking go to the wedding together or are both at the wedding and fucking fall in love with each other all over again. Cat better be in some bomb-ass outfit. Adina, too. Oh, if Adina's not at this wedding, though, I'm going to be so pissed. Um, yeah, we shall see. I mean, there's not a lot with how things look to be playing out. The ball type is shaping itself up to be in my good graces again. Um, I am super excited. I am here to enjoy the show. Um, but my more critical thoughts, I w- am trying to keep at bay until I see the beginnings of this storyline and see when it's on screen what it looks like. Because on paper versus the screen can be very different things so i'm trying to squash my expectations and just see what happens but i really can't deny after re-watching this latest episode the first two episodes of the season it's so strange that there's only been three episodes this far um i have me excited for the show so i'm i'm really interested to see what happens for sure um i'm super excited for this week Okay, so let's start talking about the episode and everybody can learn how often I lose my place on my notes because I'm passionate like that. Um, We are here to talk to you about episode 404 titled Babes in Toyland. Pull your mic away. That's another thing that we do. (laughs) Babes in Toyland. And it was written by Chase Baxter and Nikita T. Hamilton. And I would just like to also give credit to the show because these were two writers' assistants that are now writing episodes. And I think that's awesome that they're promoting from within the room. And um, I personally feel like they wrote this episode for me because I was such a fan of Kat's episode. And... Um, I'm gonna just believe that for myself. I, I mean, Chase liked a lot of your tweets. Slash Listen, tweets. <laughs> one of the reasons I tweeted passionately, even though I was drunk as shit and just wanted to go to bed, was because of Chase. Because he is the best uh, Twitter user from the writer's room, and I think he's funny, and he engages, and so I wanted to reward him 
<laughs> by watching his first episode and he's part of the family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I needed to support him. And he did great on his first episode. And Nikita also did great. I don't interact with her, but she wrote an episode last season that was very good and this one. So kudos to her. And we like to acknowledge their good work. Um, and it was directed by Kimberly McCullough. So <sighs> we start out with a great but not great scene. So Jane and Pinstripe are exchanging sex euphemisms while putting on face masks. And they ask Alex to join in, even though he does not want to. And Pinstripe calls Alex roomie. And I just want to <laughs> acknowledge the audacity of that statement. Oh, God. Yes. Um, how dare you? You do not live here. Um, but I have to say that I I don't know. I guess I, I just don't pay enough attention to Jane and Ryan, I guess, when they're on the screen. And so when I originally watched it, I was just like, oh, uh, you know, they're using those voices, which are supposed to indicate like, you know, sexiness. Um, but clearly it's not really what's happening. But it was the rewatch that I was like, oh, God, we're supposed to be thinking about the fact that he can't get it up. <laughs> and so, like, I thought about their statements much more specifically towards that. And it grossed me out even more. And I was just like, mm. oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Chase and Nikita really took full advantage of their new 9 p.m. slot in this episode and really structured their jokes in a way that was very intelligent um even though I also was disgusted in the beginning part um Alex being in uh, being in the intro equals good and pinstripe being in the intro equals bad so I call that a wash <laughs> oh god and it was like so awkward too like you could just tell that jane and ryan are like having some issues and they don't know how to be with each other and so they just like pull in that third party and are like here sit right in between us and be forced to spend time with us because we can't spend time with each other alone right now it was so uncomfortable for me God, I just don't like it. I don't like everybody being buddy-buddy with Pinstripe because he would be awful. Like, he is the partner of my friends that I don't like and I'm forced to hang around. And I want to see that reflected on screen. Um, um, when I read their synopses, uh, something happened with Ryan, I think, in one of them. And I was like, oh, fuck. So he's still going to be around. My hopes of him going away. Listen, <laughs> people were talking and they were like, oh, wait, are we ex more excited for Adina to come back or Ryan to leave? And I was like, listen, this got cut out of our last episode. The way they structured this, I was like, there is no way they're getting rid of him. Number one, they seem to like him a lot. Um, the actor, which is great. I just don't feel like that should correlate with character. Um, number two, he is local, so he is cheap to afford for them. So, of course, I'm going to keep him around. Number three, the straight guy always gets to stick around. I really don't know why the gays are like, oh, he's leaving. I'm like, that only happens to us, fam. It doesn't <laughs> happen to them. Oh, and like you said, they've invested so much time and energy in him in the storyline. It just, yeah. It's going like to stay. Um, so Sage is here. And let me just say that Sage is my favorite of the. Oh, um, before you get to Sage. We have um, Alex coming out of the elevator with Sutton and Kat. And I just wanted to say about that, um, he 
mentions that Ryan has skipped out on two publishing parties um, and stayed home to do facials. And I was like, is he overcompensating from guilt? Does he not trust himself? Is he doing this to appease Jane? I'm just wondering what his motivations are right now. Yeah, see, I don't find this at all sympathetic. And the reason is that um, he didn't start this way. Like, he literally started as a self-absorbed piece of shit, taking, like, Jane's big career moments and making it about him, and then he continues to act like everything's fine, and the second Jane mentions that everything is not fine, then he's the one having problems when she's gotten over it. I'm like, you're the one that cheated, and you have been useless this whole time. It's just like... The center of it always seems to be about fucking him. And I don't like it. I, well, I really despised Pinstripe's role in the storyline. I feel like every episode, my hypothesis at the beginning of season four remains true. That Jane's likability is really hindered by Pinstripe. And she is actually pretty likable when he is not in the picture. I don't have anything else to say about that. Do you? <laughs> no, I was thinking like, yeah, I do find her more likable when he's not around, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I am like weirdly really about Jane this season. Is it due to her lingerie choices? It could be. <laughs> but I have developed a fondness of a lot of things about Jane this season. She's not my favorite, but I do like her and Pinstripe makes it really fucking difficult for me. Um, so now we go to Sage, who is my favorite of the peripheral characters. Um, I think she's um, awesome, sex positive, really independent, and I think she's a great actress. And it's hilarious. And then we find out Kat is using the selfie stick, which is a vibrator created by um, Sage's friends that created their own vibrator company. Um, And here would be the perfect opportunity for a Grace and Frankie crossover. So I'm just going to push that idea right now to the writers if they're listening to get Lily Tomlin or Jane Fonda on the bull type. Okay. Um, and they are getting a new billboard soon. The company is growing. Um, and then Sutton gets a free vibrator that she can use with Richard from California because there's an app for that. Of course there is. Um, I just feel like uh, Sage is just coming in like fucking Santa Claus, or she's just like, oh, you gave you the selfie stick. I got something else for you. Oh, Sutton, this will be perfect for you with a long distance. You know, like she's just coming in with gifts. Listen, if they can have a Sage and a Dina interaction for me this season, I literally might fall on the floor. I could not be catered to more than that. Um,. And then they try to give Jane a free fucking vibrator and she passes. And at that point, Sutton and Kat's concerns are confirmed and they demand an emergency fashion closet meeting in which there's this cute moment where Jane goes, am I in trouble? And she is in trouble by the girls. 
I agree with them that this would be the point. Like, it's funny because earlier Kat was like, oh, it's no big deal. They're just having facials, whatever. You know, couples can do that. And then the de- like the declining of a vibrator was like, oh, no. She's saying no to a vibrator? That's free? Oh, my. You know, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Yeah. And I appreciate that they are equal opportunity on the sex jokes. They come in with a few good ones ripping on pinstripe and his inability to get it up, which I will not repeat because I do not care about his penis. And um, Kat makes a <laughs> joke that um, they are experiencing lesbian death, bad death, bad, bad death. <laughs> And they're not even lesbians. And um, I appreciate the constant incorporation of cat sexuality when they're talking about sex. And it's not just appeasing the straight sex conversations. Yeah, um, I agree. Which has not always been the case, but it was really well done in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, Jane leaves because she doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that her sex life sucks. Um, and Kat talks to Sutton about what her styling picks look like for her new venture as a Instagram influencer. And Sutton is reluctant to wear the clothes herself because she doesn't feel like she's a model. And Kat is like, well, if you want to be an influencer, you got to wear the clothes because... The point of being an influencer is for people to know who you are, not who the models are. Did the people she mentioned, are they real influencers? Because I don't know anybody. <laughs> Listen, I was wondering and I didn't write their names down because I have no idea if they are real influencers or not. I yeah. only know about like YouTube people from like eight years ago who are so influencers. <laughs> I only know gay people, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, mostly gay people, and um, I know the Bachelor people (laughs) (laughs) from my brief stint at Bachelor Paradise last summer. That's about it. So I did not know. Um, And then Jacqueline is meeting with what she calls the small team, and I only noticed this on second watch. But is that how they're justifying her only having meetings with, like, Kat, Sutton, Jade, and, like, Sage or Andrew? Yes. <laughs> and Alex? Like, the small team. She has yeah. meetings with multiple teams. This is just one team. Um, which I appreciated, and I want to know if the small team is a real thing or is just for our benefit. Um... And Alex is now going to do a live podcast, which he is hesitant about. And Sutton and Jane really dig those heels in about the live aspect of a podcast. And it's hilarious that I was laughing so hard at Alex freaking out about live podcasting because as I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, can you imagine if we did this? And I was just thinking about all the shit. And now we're kind of doing it. So (laughs) Uh, interesting. We are the Spider-Man meme right now. Uh, I will see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> We've also become like liberated by the fact that you edit podcasts. So I feel like sometimes it hinders us because we can mm. we know we can say whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Um, 
which we are trying to think about this <laughs> um so then um we find out also in this meeting that sage cannot go to a high-end millennial sex party because she has a herpes flare-up right now and i appreciate her responsibility and i don't know how to say this in an appropriate way but i like the fact that like they mentioned that she has herpes <laughs> like yeah no same here i was just like i love that it was a non-judgmental she like didn't seem nervous to say it it just it just is just like anything else like it's just hey i have this thing going on and i can't i can't go to it yeah like i know people that have herpes like it's not yeah, like a, it's not a crazy thing and it's not like we're trying to promote herpes. It's just like it's not necessarily something that should connotate shame. So mm -hmm. I appreciated that. And um, Jacqueline suggests that Jane do a follow-up to her tantric sex marathon piece and go to a sex go to the sex party but Jane like is trying to pitch face masks as the new Friday night and I was like Jane, you just did, like, a self-burn in your work meeting. I was laughing so hard because, okay, well, one, I wanted Kat to fucking get this because I just want Kat <laughs> to, like, be able to go fucking have some sex, um, which I guess we'll have next episode. But I was It's a problem, though. <laughs> I was laughing that she's like, actually, I'm trying to do this thing about face masks being the new Friday. And Jacqueline just says are they? And I was like, she is calling you out, Jane. Like, you are being too lame. Oh, Yeah, I mean, Jane, you work at Scarlet Magazine. Come on now. Like, yes, that is a fun Friday night for me sometimes, but I'm not gonna read about it. <laughs> um, so then, um, Kat pitches to promote Sage's friend's vibrator line, even if it blurs the line of advertising, I believe is the whole gist here. Mm -hmm. But then apparently they toy that line a lot, so they go for it. And um, Jacqueline gets her own vibrator called the Royal Majesty. So appropriate for that to be the name of the vibrator that Sage gifts Jacqueline. Yeah, I was trying to mull this over because I was like, that's awkward for your boss, but maybe not for their work environment. Yeah, probably not for their work environment, but um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> what the fuck? If I was talking about vibrators with my boss, I would go to the ground in mortification. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that. Um, um, so, you know, but it works here and I appreciate the fact that it was very respected in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so I laugh at how Jacqueline asking for, you know, she's like, are these for sampling? And she's like, you know, just because Ian isn't here or whatever the hell she says, like, I'm not just sitting at home, it sweats. And so, you know, you see Jane processing this and I'm like, 
you know, what is it about this interaction that makes Jane decide that she's going to do this? And I was like, is it because her idol is calling her boring? Is it because, you know, she hears that she's not going to let her issues or whatever kind of stop her from enjoying herself, which is kind of what she's doing right now? And then I was just laughing because you were tweeting with some Jankolin shippers on Twitter recently. And I was just like, were all the Jankolin shippers right? And, you know, <laughs> and that's what makes yes, do this. The two are Jankolin uh, friends. Um, this was your moment. And I hope you enjoyed it because I literally died laughing at the fact that Jane's motivation was... Like, literally, WWJD, what would Jacqueline do? And um, that is what inspired her to go to a sex party with her boyfriend. And if your idol doesn't influence you like that, um, there's something wrong. <laughs> um, just the some of the Jade shit in this episode was spot on. And this was one of those little moments for me. Um. And then Jane talks about bringing a plus one to the sex party with her. And Sutton is momentarily offended that Jane would invite Kat over her. (laughs) And I really enjoyed all of the Sutton and Kat stuff, starting with this little moment in this episode. And um, that was such a good little friend moment. I just, I'll get into that part later, but. I enjoyed that, and then I also like that um, Sutton and Kat do this little fist bump, like, all right, we were right. Jane's getting back in the saddle? I don't know. <laughs> but I agree. I thought it was really funny that um, Sutton is just like, oh, it's you, like, to Cat, Like, you know, you took my spot, and I just think it's hilarious that they would think that it would be Cat and not the boyfriend, like, <laughs> <laughs> that would go with her to this party. Exactly. And then, um, just to personally kill me, after a commercial break, they go right to a scene of Kat using a vibrator. Um, I don't know if anyone was prepared for that, but, like, same. Like, the commercial came back, and I was like, what's happening? There was zero preparation for that moment. Like... No, like, easing you into it, warming you up, like, no music, um, no montages. It was just, bam, right there. (laughs) And that was a lot for me, personally. Um, But I'm not really complaining. I'm just expressing my feelings on it. And um, Jane calls in an effort to save my life. And I appreciate that about her. And we find out here um, that Jean called Sutton first for sex club outfit advice, but she didn't answer. And Kat was like, excuse me, bitch. Like, (laughs) just wonderful, wonderful stuff here. And um, Kat is a good friend in this moment. And it's like... Are you sure this is what you need to be doing to help your relationship with Pinstripe? And Jane feels assured that this will help, I don't know, fix things in the bedroom. So then 
she's trying to figure out what to wear and um well it's like it's hilarious that jane said yeah you know this has to help blah 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 tantric sex didn't work but this is and i'm just like oh tantric sex didn't fix your marriage but you know the sex party is gonna fix it i just think it's funny that jane thinks all these things are just gonna fix the issue yeah apparently the only thing that causes problems and fixes problems in their relationship is sex so i I mean mean, it seems appropriate all they do is have sex well that's all they do i mean maybe this is from personal experience and someone in the writer's room married or dated a sex writer and that was their relationship and that's where this inspiration comes from it just doesn't have a lot of interest there's like nothing interesting about their relationship to me so um then oh yeah so she's like should i wear a little black dress and kaka's um jane it's not a cocktail party it's an orgy and then (laughs) she's like wear some lingerie don't wear like a black camisole as jane is like holding one up and i really appreciated that imagery it was just so on the nose for jane in this moment and it was a nice gesture yeah and i was like that's so appropriate like you know vanilla jane would wear a black camisole like but then i was thinking she's worn a lot of like really cute little lingerie sets lately she fucking has and we (laughs) will appreciate that yeah um <laughs> it was like jane could annoy us at times but damn does she look good in some of that shit listen um the more that the show plays up how hot katie stevens is <laughs> the more i like jane and i think there's a direct correlation there so by all means keep doing it um I lost my place first time. Cat gets back to masturbating after that phone call. Oh, yes. Thank you. That's why I lost my place. I needed to take a moment. Um, So Dick FaceTimes Sutton. And Sutton talks about their vibrator experience. And I was like, this is like a fucking fanfic right now. What's going on with the storyline between Richard and Sutton this episode? It's Uh, like... It's like, um, this would be a fucking storyline on some, like, kink fanfic page. Yeah. Um, Well, not about the sex, but I was just irritated, which I guess kind of does tie in. So, like, uh, Richard mentions that he is having a meeting with investors on a boat. And I was just like, like, I just want to barf. I can't. I I I can't help it. And then, like, they make his wealth like more insolvable by making him a fucking bay area techno like hipster i can't deal with it yeah but i guess it's also helpful to have him talk about that because when they're talking about Sutton um doing her influencing stuff she is like I think he suggests like why don't you take photos in the house and she looks at it and you can tell that she's feeling this discomfort about like not fitting in and so that that statement from Richard coupled with that, I think kind of shows us where her hesitance is coming from. Yeah, I do appreciate, though, that um, I like how this is handled more. Um, I get the frustration because this is like an ongoing thing with them. But I do think this would be an ongoing issue 
um, in a relationship, but it would just subtly intersect in your life, not like be a huge thing like that happened in season three. So of course there's still going to be some clash, class clashes between <laughs> Richard and Sutton. And here I appreciate the fact that Richard is just trying to encourage Sutton in their life and trying to make her feel like things are hers too, especially when they're about to get married because <laughs> that's, you know, positive. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's understandable that Sutton is starting to feel like she's playing house a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of like it. I'm not super interested in it, but I think it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, Kat tells Sage that she wants to buy stock in bras. And maybe I do, too, with how they're talking this up. I just feel like Kat is, like, on this, like, like, I don't know, tour to vibrators. Like, she's just trying out every fucking vibrator. I feel like she hasn't had a solid orgasm since Adina left. <laughs> and she's finally had some, so she's riding this high right now. Oh, God. Um, so, um, she, like, goes... This is so fucking funny to me. She goes, even Jane can't kill my vibe. <laughs> and Sage just looks at her, at her like, what the fuck is up with you three? Um, and she's like, Jane, like Jane's face can't, you know, so like it's, you know, about an imagery of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sage tells her that the billboard was pulled um, for the vibrators for being too profane. Hmm. And then... <laughs> Cat is pissed at this. Um, she literally gets to say that's bullshit. Thanks, mm-hmm. nine PM slot free <laughs> Um, and it's here to save the day. Yeah, I was also super pissed about that because I was just like, "What the fuck?" It was a super cute fucking billboard. And I also like that. Um, this is where Kat's sense of righteousness starts coming out. And mm-hmm. I fucking love that sense of righteousness about Kat. This is how we learned about her. This is it's the this is channeling like pilot vibes when Kat is determined to have Adina be a part of the magazine and like goes after what she wants. So I really liked this bit. And I also think that's really smart to channel this base of Kat into um her major story arc of the season so we're rooting ourselves in the core traits of the character and then we're going to explore her growth and how we want her to grow which is what i feel the rest of this arc is going to do so i thought that was pretty smart actually um and then why do I get so fucking parched when we're doing a live episode? Excuse me. I don't know, but I was just thinking that I'm sure that I agree with what you said, but I'm very distracted by my cat's claws in my thigh as she tries to jump into my lap. <laughs> just let her up there. We can keep going. Okay. okay. Come on. Um, Alex shows up to do his live podcast. And there's this new tech Lisa there. And I was briefly trying to figure out if she's supposed to be a new love interest or something for Alex. Because they made that point of this weird interaction between them. And I, I was agree. Com- 
I was confused. I was like, I don't really feel the vibes here, but why are we making a point about this weirdness? I felt like she was like, you know, kind of rude to him in the way that I feel as if though people <laughs> interpret, I guess, including myself as potentially like flirting or romantic. So I, I definitely, the first time around, I was like, wait, who are you? Are you going to be a romantic person? And then the second time I watched it through, I was like, why do you assume that? Is it just because there's a man in a way? I know. I was like, is this an enemies to lovers situation? Um, But then on second watch, I was like, maybe they're just laying the groundwork for how bad this podcast is going to go for Alex. Mm -hmm. Like she's seeding doubt in him even more. Uh, So that's what I'm going with. Um, And she offers him deodorant. Which I was like, you know what this feels like? This feels like how we were before we interviewed Rob on our podcast. Oh, my Lord. Yes. <laughs> Which was edited slightly, but just more me and V, not Rob. Um, so yeah. I was like, I feel you, Alex. I probably should have put on more deodorant before that interview as well. <laughs> Luckily, only my dog was here to smell me. So um, then... <laughs> Um, Sutton has like help from the doorman bringing dresses downstairs. Yeah. I really don't know what this was, other than to show Sutton being really uncomfortable in her new in her environment. I agree. I think it's just the continuation of like Sutton feeling out of place in you know where she is now and all that she has with being with Richard and how that ties into her being an influencer. And then Alex. It's extremely uncomfortable live podcasting, just as I am in this moment, and is answering questions in real time. And I just was so, once he started talking about the friend zone, I was like, oh no, this is going to go badly. And then he like talks about him trying to get out of the friend zone, which left him still in the friend zone with a friend and then got (laughs) dumped to go on The Bachelor. So that wasn't a good look. And that brings out his self-consciousness. And then he tries to tell people to just go for it and, and like, go in for a kiss. And then he wants to make sure he's talking about consent. And he starts spiraling out of control. Did you see in the chat that he was, like, looking at that someone uh, referred to him as Jeff? No. Yeah. So Ooh. I Yeah. So I think that he also I mean in addition to like the pressure of doing a live podcast with 10,000 viewers, I think that part of it also was he saw people still giving him shit for the Jeff stuff, which I kind of appreciate that, you know, realistically that like is still an issue that people are still going to remember that about him. So, right. I have thoughts about this. <laughs> uh-huh. Um I can see where Alex is coming from in sharing his own experiences, but like, ooh, you got to be careful with sharing your own experiences and how people are going to take that. And then I struggle with this. So let's see how this goes. (laughs) So he said, you can be direct and, you know, make it known that you want to be out of the friend zone or you can go ahead and take the plunge and just kiss her. And then, of course, he freaks out and he's like, oh, but, you know, consent. And then he kind of murmurs, But that kind of like takes that defeats the point of like the plunge and blah, blah, blah. And this is something that I struggle with because obviously consent is essential. But I also tend to be more of an impulsive kind of like I act sometimes before I think. You're also a woman. That is true. I'm also a woman. But, you know, even when I was, you know, because I used to date men, even when I was dating men, like I 
maybe it's also because I feel very comfortable with like setting boundaries and and, and doing that. Yeah, and... but it's also like a socialization thing. Like women aren't viewed, even though they can be and are mm-hmm. threatening. They're not viewed as threatening. So in intimate settings, there's much less of a threat of people feeling forced into things initiated by a woman than a man in terms of socialization. Yeah, what I meant is that I would prefer a guy to just kiss me and a woman oh, just kiss me. I get that. To... And I also am like, you know, I do get, there's like some body language things at play and all this shit. And yes. it is complicated. And I think that the consent stuff and him going kind of down the deep end fast was probably related to someone calling him Jeff in the comments. Yep. Which is to say that, you know, we live in like this hypocritical society right now with cancel culture because you know at what point is an apology okay at what point do we take someone's apology and move on and at what point are they held responsible forever and i think there is distinctions and i think everybody has their own distinction so it's hard to navigate that and i'm like you know it's about are we for restorative justice but then, you know, does a survivor ever have to forgive a rapist or someone that sexually assaulted her? Like, who mm-hmm. would I be to tell them that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's such a complicated issue that um, I don't know. I, mean, the- I was just going to say that. I, and I understand where Alex is coming from because of the work that I do, I always navigate the line between kind of my impulsive thoughts around things and what is, you know, the most appropriate and correct because I want to be as respectful of everyone as possible. And so I think for me and just listening to this, I just, I guess I've really related to Alex and I appreciated it where it's this, you know, this is, you know, like take the plunge and do this thing, but then also having to be aware of the fact that you are a man and how is right. that going to be taken? And does the person that you're doing this to, you know, is it something that they potentially seem to want, but actually didn't want? I think it's very, very complex. And so like, I just appreciated this little tidbit where it didn't go into a lot of detail, but it was just like a, oh, do this thing. Oh shit. Wait, is it consensual? Oh my God. But then if you don't just jump in and do it, then it defeats the purpose. And ah, like, how do I even right. deal with this thing? Yeah. I really liked it too, because I liked how we're continue. I mean, I don't know if the both type has fully touched on the subject and I don't know that they should. I think it's a little too much of a topical issue for my taste for the show to do. But I do like that they're continuing this and exploring it more and not just dropping it after one beat. And um, I um, really thought Alex was relatable here because it's one thing to be vulnerable and put yourself out there when you have time to think about it and craft what that looks like. Um, we think about that all the time and that's right. Like, mm-hmm. um, and what we're comfortable disclosing and being, you know, out there about. And, um, but when you're put on the spot and doing it live and you're confronted with all of these things about you that you, you know, have tried to move beyond or had difficulty accepting about yourself, you can start second guessing yourself a lot. And 
I thought it was extremely relatable and why Alex remains the number one guy on the bull type. Yeah. Um, and then um, Sutton is at Jane's house and went over there to do horror influencing and take pictures there because Richards, which she uses the word Richards, not her place, was feeling too decadent and glamorous for her. And Jane is like, uh, is that supposed to be a compliment? <laughs> and then Ryan comes home and we're supposed to see him and Sutton being chummy and I don't give a fuck about it. Um, but then Jane pitches going to a sex club to Ryan and they're like, let's go together. It's a millennial thing. And Ryan is fucking squeamish about a sex party. And does this make sense? Literally, does this make sense? This makes no sense to me. No, my note is why is he so hesitant? He was a sex writer and wrote so much shit about all these kinds of sexcapades. What the fuck is his hesitance? And I have to note that Jane continues to frame this as an us issue and not a Ryan issue. Like, she continues to say, like, we're in a rut, blah, 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 and isn't blaming him, unlike the shit that he pulled in the last episode. At least, at least here. And I just, Gene is too good for him. It comes up time and time again. And I don't, I don't like stories where a girl is too good for a guy, but he tries anyway. Like, fuck that guy. He should be good enough for her. And that's part of the reason why I've never liked Pinstripe. It's not my thing. And um, we go back to Kat examining this vibrator and looking at, I think, their website or an ad or something about them. And um, talks to Sage about how there has been erectile dysfunction um, ads around town with a fucking corn cob that looks like a penis. And I wonder what that was going to look like. And then they showed us and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I was like, that's literally the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. And, um, is calling out that fucking double standard. And mm-hmm. there's nothing that drives cat more crazy than a double standard. And, Okay, number one, I was posing this question on Twitter because I saw this thing on Tumblr about how basically every ship that you ship is a reflection of person A is the person that you project onto and person B that you, that is your type. Mm -hmm. And I have such problems with that because in almost every way, both Kat and Adina are my type. Mm -hmm. Um... But I definitely project the most onto Kat, I think, or I relate the most to her because of her sense of righteousness. Like, how mm-hmm. she is fired up about this and wants to do something about it is very relatable to me. Yeah, I mean, I relate to Kat a lot because she gets fired up and she can be impulsive and shit. And um, Adina's much more my type. Um, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's like, this, like I don't know, just like maybe it's because she's like quieter. I, I don't know. I'm um, strong, independent women yeah. are like really both my type, and that's 
really both cat and diva. <laughs> so I don't know. It it just really depends. I don't think I really have one, so they just both fit into that. Yeah. Um well, Kat says, let's burn it down. And I'm like, oh, be still my heart. Got it, girl, right? That was like, wow, this is why Kat is my favorite. Why she's my number one bitch. I love her so much. And then I also love this, like, camaraderie between Sage and Kat. Where, oh, it's so great. Where Sage is like, oh, I love when you get like this. And they partner up on something. And it's so exciting to see the characters partner up with, like, Kat with Andrew in the last episode. And Kat with Sage in this episode. And to see some more dynamics explored, is this like a dream come true when I watch television shows that they continue to explore new dynamics? So I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we have Kat and Sutton in a break room looking at the pics that Sutton did. And we find out that Sutton took off her engagement ring. And I was like... Mm-hmm do you think Richard would be okay with that if you posted that on Instagram um let's I don't know but he better be because I have feelings about people you know how like in that last episode they talked about like you know the ring is a a form of patriarchal um oppression or whatever I just like I don't know I wear my ring when I feel like it I don't when I don't I just I would hate if anyone was like why don't you have your ring because I don't fucking feel like it just the way I don't feel like having my earrings on every damn day like right and i respect it i feel that um i just think that um there is something about it actually being an insecurity for sutton which is why it would be a problem you know what i mean like there the reason sutton isn't wearing it is due to an insecurity about herself and her just taking it off for a picture and not talking about that insecurity with richard i think would be a problem I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I don't think that it's, I think that. Well, if you view it as a symbol of your commitment and that's how a lot of people view it. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how much of an importance that is to you. I don't think it has to be that way, but I think not communicating about what it means to you could be Mm -hmm. a problem. I think that I, I, I think that I agree with you in that. The bigger issue, which is that the ring is not, in my opinion, so much in this situation is symbolic of her commitment to Richard, but more so is symbolic of her status as a person who's about to be married and look at this ring, which is a lot of money. And so she's I think it's more symbolic um, kind of like class and status. And so I think that that is something that definitely needs to be addressed. Um, Yes. And that's what I'm that. That's what I'm getting at, because I could give a fuck about rings in general. I'm trying to analyze it specifically for their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very interesting how... Um, is this where... Yeah, she says uh, she feels like two separate people sometimes. Like, the Sutton that's with Richard and the Sutton that is her. And... I think that's such a fascinating explanation of some of the problems that Sutton has been going through with Richard because it's not that she doesn't like who she is when she's with Richard or the life that she leads with him, but it's not a life she always pictured for herself. So I think that can be hard to reconcile. And um, I really like the fact that Sutton is having trouble with it, even though she's okay with it 
um i think people's feelings are complex like that yeah and i think that and this is the part where she and i love that she said it where she said that she doesn't feel as if though the the sudden that she is with richard with all of this oh my god i'm sorry (laughs) um my cat is going into her cat tunnel and making all this noise um the Sutton that she is when she's with Richard with like this money and all this shit is not really her. But then also she doesn't feel like she's the girl who makes like shit money and, and is an assistant and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, where do I fit? Like, who am I kind of thing? And I think that this is a really important conversation to have because she spent like the last season in this, you know, designing thing which didn't pan out and so she's kind of now back at square one and that's not where she anticipated to be and it's not really how she views herself in being but she's also not on the other end of the spectrum which is like you know mrs dick hunter who's fucking rich and shit and so i do think that potentially there will be a kind of moment where all this comes to a head and she will need to have that conversation and it seems like her and richard's relationship has been improving in their communication and so i'm hoping that if when that does happen it is a fruitful conversation and not just infuriating yeah and i also think that it's a it's a line that i think a lot of people wrestle with in their mid to late 20s because apparently this is only the show has only happened within the span of one year um which makes no sense but we're gonna roll with it i guess um is that like to grapple with who you are and who you're becoming and which is you um because they they both are you but what parts of you are you comfortable with and what parts of you are you not comfortable with and i think that's kind of what they're getting at here with Sutton. um that it's not that she's ashamed of this part of her. She's just not comfortable with it yet. Um, and it doesn't have to be in like giant identity shaping ways. It can be in smaller changes in your life that you don't know how to deal with yet. Um, so I like that complicated exploration of adulthood with Sutton in this episode. Um and then um, we have Alex popping into the room and Sutton makes a jab at him for flopping hard on his live podcast. And then we get an amazing Cat and Alex scene, which is a really um, reciprocal scene um, to the one that they had in season two, where Cat is like, I'm going to give you the same advice that you gave me. And being vulnerable and open and going for things can make a difference. Um, just like it makes a difference that I speak out as a black queer woman. It's important for you to speak up as a black straight man in a female dominated environment, especially in a female dominated environment with a bunch of white women. Like his voice is important. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I appreciated the advice that she gave him. Um, in this statement where, or in this interaction, Kat says, I'm going to reflect on the advice you gave me. And he's like, I've given a lot of advice in the year. And I was like, oh my God, this is further confirmation about the fucking timeline. I just can't believe this. <laughs> Why are they doubling down on it for a show that wants to be politically relevant? You're going to tell me that Kat ran for office within this year too? Like, how does that make sense? Um... <laughs> 
so I just wish they would be ambiguous where it doesn't actually like it's mm-hmm. one thing for us to say it doesn't make sense but for the show to acknowledge the timeline and make it make less sense like yeah. <laughs> just, just keep going with it don't acknowledge it and let it yeah. be weird instead of making it more weird yeah um and okay. then Kat when we is- go into this next scene I have to pose this question like right like before we get into the scene oh god so, <laughs> so it's just because it's like the first thing that it happens with Jacqueline so after she texts uh cat like you know come and see me she's on the phone with her child and she's saying like I'll be home to help you with homework you know soon blah 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 and like okay I just died laughing because very very recently my wife and I ended up were having a conversation about this because she works in an office with a bunch of white women I was like, maybe this isn't like a white people thing. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but her her boss was talking to her child about like homework and shit. And so my wife asked me, she's like, did your parents ever know about your fucking homework? And I was like, no, I did all my shit on my own. Like no one helped me with my homework. No one knew what the fuck I had to do. And she had the same experience. And so with Jacqueline doing this, I was just like dying of laughter because I was just like, oh, my God, here's another person who knows about her kids academics. And that is not my experience. Well, as a white person. <laughs> um, well, my mom was a teacher. So it's, I guess, maybe different. I don't know if, but she would help me with my homework in elementary school. Yeah. No, I don't know that I ever got help with my homework. And so I just, I'm just dying because I'm like, look, your children are of like standing up age, can clean up their own shit. They can figure out their homework age. I mean, listen, I don't know if that's true. I was trying <laughs> to help my nephew with his homework. Um, and my sister was there and my mom was there. And between us with like, like several college degrees, we could not fucking figure out how to do this math problem. They fucking oh have God. changed math. Okay. Yes. And- I fucking hate the way they've changed it. And they sent, like, just the problem without the instructions on how to do it. And my sister had to write a uh, letter to the school and was like, there are no instructions. I can't help him. So (laughs) we tried. He tried to do his homework. Like, so, you know, relatable. But I did kind of laugh because I was like, doesn't he have a tutor? Like, you just said. And I was like, so he's home by himself? There's not a fucking babysitter? Is he old enough to be by himself? If he's old enough to be by himself, he's old enough to do his homework. It's dark outside. I don't know. I was just, yeah, I just have to laugh at this shit because it's not my experience. But now we can actually proceed to the actual scene. Listen, it's white people shit. I just said that they all, I got home with my homework <laughs> in elementary school. And apparently her kids are too young to be by themselves, so... You know, who's to say? Um, And then Jane, I mean, not Jane, Jacqueline is pissed about the tweets because she is uh, this erectile dysfunction company is starting to sue them for, I guess, defamation. I don't really know. Yeah, I was like, sue for what? Um, And then Kat was like, all press is good press, right? And Sage is like, I have also heard that. (laughs) and and then um she says how she knows her stage's friends but then kat quickly intervenes and fesses up to the fact that she started this um tirade and i loved everything about the scene because in the beginning like kat is talking about it and sage is supporting kat 
And then the second that um, Jacqueline starts to address Sage, Catlin, Cat takes responsibility. And this is such an example of a feminist work environment where you like support each other and you take on responsibilities and you don't throw a woman under the bus. You bring them up with you. And I really loved everything about this. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I did have to laugh at the way that uh, Kat said, I, you know, any press is good press. And I was like, have you been drinking? Like, the way you stick to your guns, like, under Jacqueline's gaze, like, whew, I'd be dying. That's so impressive, honestly. Um, and then Kat goes on this rampage about it being a double standard and about how you could be alone and be sexually satisfied without a partner and it's like super passionate about that Mm -hmm. and i'm not making fun of that i just was laughing because that's so cat and i really appreciate that about her and um (laughs) even jack like gets inspired by that oh yeah she's she's like yeah it's okay to promote the ideas we just need to change the messaging we can promote women's pleasure as much as we want on our platform Mm -hmm. and um I really appreciated this, and I knew the second cat. This is why I love this episode so much because there was talk during the episode with like this frustration of cat always taking on other people's problems and not doing stuff with herself. And it was this part in the scene where I was like, "There's a reason for this, cat. They're going to explore cat using this as a coping mechanism and deflecting from her." from her own issues and they did and I just I'm doing a chef's kiss right now to how they explored cat storyline in this episode yeah I actually hadn't I I knew that she had been like working on other people's shit with um Chloe and and then I think it was my wife who pointed out that every episode that she has been like fixating on other people's problems and helping them and then I saw some tweets about it and I was like oh I hadn't realized it and I was like oh god you know like Kat should really you know be doing her own shit but then I think I saw you tweet about how like I think they're they're going somewhere with it and then I remembered in 106 108 I don't know what episode but in season one where Kat like threw herself into the nipple shit to -hmm. try and deal with Adina and I was like ah this is Kat this is Kat when she is avoidant of the shit that's going on in her life she gets really thrown into these things that she is passionate about well that's how she got caught into a whole fucking political storyline when she (laughs) ran for office yeah you know, um, that one was just, like, extreme. <laughs> so, yeah. in a season-long arc of her doing it, which is why we had to end up with her alone again, because she didn't address that problem. Um, so, I so, was... So, I'm glad that that's how it resolved. Yeah, and I, I was really interested in how they were building it up, because they acknowledged all of these things from the previous episodes as well. Mm-hmm. So, it makes me really feel like there is a long-term cohesive storyline for Kat this season. Yes, which, an intentionality. Yeah, and it it's um, something that's comforting to me in the fact that it's taken Adina so long to come back. I'm not okay with it or happy with it, but the structure of the season is making it make sense to me, so I'm willing to see what happens with it. And then we have fucking... Jane dressed in lingerie and Pinstripe is dressed in civilian clothes. 
and uh, you tweeted this and i was thinking it as you tweeted it where you were like jane you're fucking talking about bringing hand sanitizer to a sex party that is the most jane thing ever yeah it was so so on brand for jane it was so great god it was Um. amazing um (laughs) and then she's like oh should i get some condoms and then pinstripe freaks the fuck out about the fact that they might have sex and this is making him uncomfortable and now he's complaining about jane's effort making things worse for him and then he wants jane to maybe kiss somebody else and like what the fuck is the storyline Okay, he says something along the lines of, like, you say you've forgiven me. And Jane's like, I have forgiven you. And it pisses me the fuck off that he says that. Because she said she's forgiven you. She's acting like she's forgiven you. She has forgiven you. Why would you make that statement? It sounds so fucking blamey. Like, I'm struggling with getting it up because I don't believe that you've really forgiven me. It's still your fault. It's just like every fucking thing he says is blaming He has constantly deflected responsibility for his actions Mm -hmm. since last season. And I I just, nothing about this makes sense. What about this makes sense? And I blocked this out um, so it wouldn't deter from my enjoyment of the episode. But nothing about the Jane and Pinstripe shit makes sense. And nothing about it is enjoyable to me. Okay, then we have a little chat between Richard and Son trying to figure out the app and the vibrator situation. And I literally cannot take Bay Area Richard's dialing seriously. It is fucking hilarious to me. Please, someone else, tell me they find it funny, too. Uh, see, my comment is here. It's just like, I just got to say, I fucking hate the the AirPods. I fucking hate them. I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not an iPhone user. I'm not a Mac person. I don't have AirPods myself, so I'm not spending money on that shit. I'm poor. You're gonna lose that shit in two seconds. God. Um, and then we have Jane walking into this sex party alone, and this was a perfect use of Billie Eilish's song See Me in a Crown as a dominatrix woman walks by with two men. I was like, God, that's fucking perfect. Yeah, um, such a great song for this. And then, um, obviously, Jane was like, I can't do this by myself. (laughs) Which, for Jane, yes, she needs moral support in a situation like this. Um, And they're like, Jane, you need to kiss somebody else. And, of course, the girls are okay with it. Because Kat and Sutton would be okay with it, with their personalities. Mm -hmm. However, it, it just makes no sense with the storyline that's going on like jane would just be fine with kissing someone else i don't know what's happening here i really don't i don't remember how serious she was about doing it at this point in time because ugh, the jane and ryan shit is really hard for me to pay attention to my attention man is shit yeah i only have i like blocked it out when i watched it live that's why i really enjoyed it so much um people were complaining about it and i was like i literally don't know what happened <laughs> so <laughs> Um, and then Sutton and Kat pair off while Jane goes and looks for something to kiss. Someone, not something. (laughs) Um, and Jane watches a guy get whipped. Um, I'm like, I guess we're trying to show Jane be out of her element. And 
I wish they would have, they leaned into it a lot in this episode, but they could have leaned into it a little bit more because Katie can be really fucking funny in um, situations in which Jane is uncomfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the fucking Yoni egg scene, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think Katie's underappreciated in the hilarity of that scene. Um so I like that they played with it with the sex party, but I'm like, you could have really leaned into that. Um, and um, I love that Sutton and Kat are paired off here because Sutton and Kat are one of the most interesting uh, dynamics in the show for me between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I think a, being at a sex party is like, the perfect opportunity to pair them together because they're a little bit, um, they're like two firecrackers put together mm-hmm. and Jane kind of is like the anchor for them. So they can get a little messy when it's just the two of them. And I appreciate that. It's very entertaining. And it's interesting to watch them kind of pass the ball between the other on who's the one grounding in a scene because it's not consistent whereas when it's a trio it's usually jane or when it's you know each one of them paired with jane it's usually jane which is interesting but it's it's like a fresh dynamic when it's cat and sutton um so sutton <laughs> wonders if they can use phones in there because her vibrator is going off in her bag and um one would think not that you could not use a phone but that's just my guess um and um i'm also overly preoccupied with sanitation i'm like why is that loose in your bag like that you've got a happy in sandwich in there like (laughs) put that in a ziploc your tampons pulling everything out of the bag um and then jane goes and talks to a man bun and um finds out that he met his girlfriend at a sex party <laughs> wife they're married oh they were married yeah. i only paid so much attention to them um you know teach your <laughs> own if that I is just, i laughed at them because he i'm sure that there's more to it but he says that you know they met at the party and that they just kind of kept coming back to each other and he's like so why not or he says something like that and i was like oh okay, yeah let's it made sense but the why not you're just like okay <laughs> like that wouldn't yeah. be the reason i would help <laughs> i feel like that would just be why you're complimentary <laughs> yeah um then um oh wait i'm skipping ahead oh wait Yes. Okay. So, um, Kat captures the real Sutton in this moment by taking pictures of, um, her and, um, Sutton is like, oh, the girl who booked it to a sex party for her best friend. And Kat's like, yeah, a lot of people wouldn't do that. That's really something that's true to you about how you're a loyal and amazing friend you're sophisticated but you're also relatable and um i feel like one of the reasons this episode is so good to me is they really nail the trio's dynamics and they really make them intersect a lot through this episode um which is what i really enjoyed about the first two episodes of the season so 
like every interaction just makes sense and flows really well and feels um like we're seeing you know behind the scenes of a real friendship whether it's Kat and Sutton or Kat and Jane or Sutton and Jane or the three of them together we just get all of these dynamics like tossed throughout the whole thing um which I don't think the show does a lot of by giving us individual scenes with all the girls um or at least they have it the past couple seasons yeah I agree with that um and then Jane goes up to a guy to talk about sex parties and he's like I'm not here to talk I'm here to make out and Jane makes out with him and it's like a hundred times better than any Jane stripe kiss but apparently Jane felt nothing um yeah whatever she feels I don't know she feels not I don't know I mean I'm just gonna talk about that now so we can like skip that but she goes to talk to Kat and Sutton after, and she's like, I kissed someone, and it was terrible, and now mm-hmm. I know how pinstripe felt. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, what? exactly. I was like, how did this kiss, like, give you... You have permission, <laughs> number one! I I really do not get this. I, it's not that I'm beyond, like couples having a sex positive relationship i just don't think this aligns with their storyline at all and also why does she need to have this revelation around how pinstripe felt in the kiss she already had forgiven him and was moving past it she doesn't have work that needs to be done she is not the issue right now it's ryan and i just don't like this like it's her that, she, you know, she's constantly having to think about this and analyze this and work on this and fix this. And it's not her responsibility. Okay. But I do want to point something better about this scene out. Mm-hmm. And that is that Jane asked Kat if she found a wife during this experience. And. A wife? Like, a wife. Oh, did she? I didn't. I missed that. She said that. And I did not catch that the first time. I only caught that the second time. And it makes me think, okay, is this the bigger picture? That cat exploring the scene did not find the person that she's supposed to be with. So the person that she's supposed to be with is Adina. I'm having a real, (laughs) I'm having a real galaxy brain moment here about this. And I'm choosing to rewatch this. I'm choosing to believe that is true. But what happened before this was um, we switched gears with a cat and Sutton scene where we focused more on cat and. We, um, Sutton gives a tip to Kat that several girls are masturbating behind her. And number one, I really think that Sutton is one of the most and best sex positive characters currently airing on television because, um, I just really love that. Um, I don't think Sutton is a, um, queer character, but I also like that she's not like bounded by traditional forms of sexuality mm-hmm. and so i really enjoy that about her yeah number one um but it's number like, two she would probably be down to be with a girl if she was into it but i don't think that she is like she's just so open and okay with things right and it's just refreshing to watch and then um cat goes i think this is the right angle here and um 
I need to use this to promote female pleasure. And there's a really good joke in that that I really appreciated. But um, I think that, um, I don't know. I don't know what I have to say about this. Huh? <laughs> so I don't know what I was saying. Um, I've lost... I'm distracted. I think there's a helicopter outside of my house. <laughs> this is the point where we lose our marbles and lose train of what we're talking about. Um, I yeah, don't know. After we've been recording for like an hour and 15 minutes, it's like, yeah, I start getting <laughs> even more distracted. Um, I don't know what you were saying because I really got distracted. All I know is my next note is about fucking Ryan being there. Okay, we'll just go with that. Um, oh, wait. First, Sutton, back, flash forward again, when Jean is revealing her revelation. Sutton gets vibrated by Richard and walks off. And um, that was really good comedy from Megan Fahey. Yes. Hats off to her. And then um, Kat and Jean talk about going to wait for her by the naked lady. And they really missed uh, eating the peach joke here. They wasted an opportunity. Um, and I just needed to point that out. Um, and then Pentrip shows up and he wants to go chat and Jane pulls him to go have sex. And what a fucking waste of a sex party for us to have to see straight sex. Uh, again, yeah. Um, so my thought also was just like, where the fuck did they get all of these fucking tickets? I thought Sage said that this was kind of like exclusive. And now we got a ticket for, you know, both Kat and Sutton and then Ryan shows up, whatever. But this whole damn sex thing. I mean, I feel like this is like the biggest thing. Ryan is pinstripe. He can do anything he wants, Good. remember? Yeah, they're probably like, oh, good to see you again. Um, so the thing that I feel like a lot of people talked about was just his whole like, he was trying to say something to her before they had sex. And Jane was like, I'm over it. I get it. Like, let's do this. And it happens. And I am now wondering if he's not telling the whole story and that there was more. I wonder if he had sex with that woman. And he's feeling guilty about it. But if that's the case, I don't understand how he was able to suddenly get it up and have sex with her. Because I'm assuming it all <laughs> like worked I out. Like I said, nothing about this storyline makes sense or aligns with their story. I just don't get it. Um, and I think it's a problem. Once they tried to go into emotional shit with Jane and Pinstripe, and they then try to throw just the relationship being about sex on top of it. Those two things aren't interacting and it doesn't make sense. Um, but here's my thing. And I just have to say this, this idea about like, you know, sex positivity and embracing sexual experiences and everything like that was brought to popular culture as acceptable by the queer community mm -hmm. and the fact that they made a millennial sex party about straight people is probably the most millennial thing that you could do. So I just have to call that out. Like the reason mm -hmm. that this is popular is because of gay people. And so you could have showed a little bit of gay sex and I get why they didn't because 
it's leading off to a storyline with Kat, and there's, like, thought behind it, but just saying. Totally agree. Um, and I've lost my notes again, and I'm um, getting there. My app is asking me to rate it. Okay. I feel like the next thing is, yeah, with Richard and Sutton uh, at work. Um, my notes are sparse. Huh? I said my notes are sparse. Okay, so where we're at is the trio is sitting in the lobby of Scarlet, and um, Sutton is talking on the phone to Richard. No, he like texts her about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He texts her something silly about like being in sex clubs. And then, um, (laughs) Cat and Sutton have a really funny interaction where Cat goes, "You see them likes." You see that engagement? And I literally feel like that is a conversation that Aisha and Megan would have because they both hate using social media. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed that moment. And um, Kat talks to her about how um, that's showing like the beautiful side of Sutton and people will fall in love with that side. Um, and then Jane sees Jacqueline and talks to her about her vertical and Jane makes it known she wants an opportunity. Jacqueline identifies that that would make Jane essentially her own editor and this might be dependent on Jane's next piece and I also do not know what a vertical is so I'm not sure what that looks like because it's not a column because they would call it a column and you're not just an opinion writer because you'd be notified you would be like denoted as a opinion writer like i don't know what the fuck a vertical is and do do publications just have writers be their own editors like that doesn't seem like a safe smart decision to me i don't know but i just had to laugh when jacqueline said to jane you know, like you would essentially be your own editor and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Jane says that she's up for the challenge. And I'm like, girl, you tried to pitch a facials or a new Friday night. You are not ready for this. Also, if this has only been within a year, is does Jane actually deserve her own vertical? Mm, yeah. That's like, does she need to pay, pay her dues? Uh, she just became a writer within this year and she can now become her own editor. I don't know about this. Someone please tell us what a vertical is. Okay. Um, then um, Jacqueline is looking at this Instagram post where um, a Christian woman is talking about self-pleasure and embracing her sexuality. And I actually really appreciated them including that little tidbit and a story. She's a Christian woman. She says that. She was raised oh, Christian. All right. <laughs> And I only caught that on the second watching as well. But I think that's really intelligent because there's a lot of shaming on sexuality in Christian homes. And um, I really like that they showed that someone struggled with that. And, you know, she found herself through masturbation. (laughs) The the one um, true growing up story. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was funny. But then um, Jacqueline scrolls and sees a picture of Ian in his blue going out shirt with another woman. Mm -hmm. 
I would like to think he would not be that idiotic if something was going on to post that. Yeah, I'm guessing there's nothing going on. I think that it's probably just hurting Jacqueline because he's out and having a good time and things are tense with them. But his social media is not always true, Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm not really sure where their relationship is going at all because, you know, we haven't really talked about Jacqueline's personal feelings throughout this episode, but there's something going on there because she's insecure in her relationship. She's now having to balance her job and being a mom on her own. Her partner has disappeared. She's like exploring like personal self-pleasure and being independently happy. And, you know, I'll talk about Kat's side in a minute, but she's pulling Kat in and talking to her about, you know, having a balance in her life. But what is the balance in Jacqueline's life? It really does seem that despite her family being important to her, she does put Scarlett first in her Mm -hmm. life. So I wonder how she feels about that. Um, And I wonder if we're going to dive into that more because they kind of towed the line where I couldn't read exactly where Jacqueline felt about all of this. Yeah. I feel as if though we got a lot more of like Ian just being frustrated and Jacqueline kind of reacting to that. So, I mean, my assumption is that we'll get more. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens. That's for sure. Um, but then, um, you know, there's the moment here where we get a mentorship moment between Jacqueline and Kat, where she's like, you've accomplished so much since you, um, came back to Scarlet first time after the election and, um, you've really thrown yourself into this, but do you have a balance in your life? It's okay to be at work and find that personal balance which does seem based on episode synopses that this is a season long arc for Kat. Um, So I'm very interested in that. And then that inspires Kat to dive back into the world of online dating and Tinder. And um, I wish they had a funny like name for Tinder, like Mm -hmm. a spoof, but (laughs) beggars can't Um be choosers. When she was flipping through those photos and she got to Tia's and she, like, double-tapped to make it bigger, I was like, shit, she about to call Tia? Is Tia coming back? But then she Listen, oh, I forgot to say this. <laughs> After this episode, I literally had a dream that Tia came back on the show <laughs> and was very excited about it. I was like, all right, I'll take Tia at this point. Um, <sighs> so, yeah, but I, was, I for one, thought that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was like, I feel like we would have known if Tia came back. Um, but I did appreciate a slight Tia reference. We can't even get her name mentioned, but I'm glad we got a picture. <laughs> and um, they showed Adina in a hijab. So, yay. <laughs> you know, things are changing. <laughs> um, but she goes and re-ups her profile. And then we have Alex podcasting live with the gals to boot. They being Sutton, Jane, Kat, and Sage. And they're talking about self-love on the podcast, which is really cool, number one, for a guy to be hosting. I really would like to see more men talk about that. And number two, the perfect combination of ladies to talk about self-love. Yeah, I thought it was cute. Um, I love that Sage was included in this because one, it's appropriate and two, she's awesome. <laughs> right. I just love her. I saw on Twitter that Wendy said that um, 
the actress is going to school in a different city. Um, so they, you know, try to use her when they can. Mm. And number one, mad respect for respecting her other opportunities and still being willing to incorporate her. Yeah. And I'm really glad she said something about that because for one, I was getting kind of annoyed before this episode. I'm like, why are we seeing so much Andrew? I love Andrew, but I'm like, where's Sage? I want to see Sage too. Like, um, and I really like that she explained it before anything could be made about it. Not that there was, but you know. Yeah, I appreciate how engaged Wendy um, has been and how she's been answering questions. Like, the question was posed about when is Adina coming back, and she gave a direct fucking answer. Episode seven, like no beating around the bush. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, and she's not saying too much that prompts more questions or like spoil storylines. She's just giving a very basic fact to, you know. Mm-hmm. squash that uh anxiousness that can exist among us um so yeah that was the episode i really enjoyed it i thought it was great i thought it was funny i really loved all the different explorations between the relationships of the trio with jane cat and sutton um it was it was very good um definitely liked it better than 403 um I don't know if I liked it as much as one and two, but I liked it. I I don't know, but it's kind of hard to say because of the gap there. Um, <laughs> and but I think it goes well. I think it's it's boding well for the season. I think there's a lot of continuation in these episodes. Um, there's a good flow. There's a good voice. I'm I'm really happy with where we stand after this episode. Um, and coming up. We're finally going to get some gay sex. We've seen a lot of straight sex up until this point. It seems like we have to get to the halfway point <laughs> in the season to get some gay yeah. sex, but whatever. I'm taking it. It's earlier than last season. Yeah, and only um, two more episodes until Adina. Two more until Adina. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for that. I'm excited for this week's episode, which is tomorrow. And um, follow us on Twitter at This Lesbian Shit. Follow us on Instagram at this lesbian ship. Um, I refuse to change our Twitter handle based on my own morals. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. This lesbian ship is intense. It's a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.